This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Welcome to the next session of the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am with you today to talk about how to stay calm, how parents can stay calm when raising atypical kids, kids with ADHD, kids with autism, um, any sort of behavioral challenges that end up um, in a rise so to speak, from us as parents. And this is a question I get all the time. How in the world can I stay calm with my child? They're pushing my buttons. They're acting inappropriately. Their behavior is out of scale for the situation. They um, are having an emotional outburst. They are having a meltdown in public. All of these different things that it's really easy for us to respond to in kind, right? What I mean by that is that we dish back what we are receiving from our kids. If your child is yelling at you, it's very easy to yell back at your child, right? It's very easy to respond in the same way that you are receiving from them, the same sort of behavior or reaction. And You know, there's a saying that I love and I don't know who to attribute it to, but it is to um, not react to your child, but respond to your child. So reacting is that sort of emotional um, right away you know, whatever you're doing kind of in an instant out of intuition or, you know, your body's automatic response to something. So yelling back would be a reaction. But instead, if we were to respond, we would show empathy. We would remain calm. We would be that um, sort of regulator for our child. You know, so often these outbursts and these issues are coming from a a problem with self-regulation, right? Our kids can be dysregulated in so many different ways, emotionally, um, sensory, and, and when they're dysregulated, they have um, a much harder time with kind of coming out of some of these issues. They have a harder time with communicating their emotions to you in a more effective way. They have a hard time with um, getting through their emotions, working through them and getting to a better place. You know, there's, there's all sorts of struggle from our kids that come with these different unwanted behaviors and outbursts, right? And, you know, 
Our kids aren't giving us a hard time. They're having a hard time. When you can remind yourself of that again and again, it makes a monumental difference, folks. Monumental. Remind yourself that your child is not giving you a hard time. They are not intentionally upsetting you, intentionally making you work at something that is not their intention at all. They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. They are struggling with something, regulation, um, emotions, um, sensory overwhelm, whatever it might be, um, social skills, you know, lagging social skills can also lead to these sort of outbursts and meltdowns. So, so many things can go into it. But what's important is how you manage it, because that's how you're going to come out of it. So let's think about if you if you yell back, Maybe your child's slamming things. They're yelling, I hate you. You're a terrible mother. What might you do right away without thinking? Well, you might yell back. You would probably slam some things also. And you may even say some hurtful things back at your child. You know, those are kind of our our, um, you know, human responses in a lot of ways as sort of self-protection or self-preservation, but they are absolutely not the right way to handle these situations for our kids. So instead of, you know, reacting to that by yelling, by slamming, by saying hurtful things, instead you're going to respond and to respond You have to stop and be aware, be mindful of what is happening. Why is your child having a hard time? Why is your child yelling? Why is your child upset with you? And when you figure that out, then you can respond in a way that's going to be helpful. So you remain calm first and foremost, and you show empathy you know, buddy, I am so sorry that you're having such a hard time right now. I I know that whatever that was can be very frustrating. And I might get really angry too. But I want to help you right now to get through it. I want to help you show your frustration and your anger in a more appropriate way and work through it so you don't have to be upset anymore. So how can I help you do that? That's the kind of response we need to be having to our kids' um, outbursts and meltdowns and intensity, you know, all of these unwanted situations that we find ourselves in or we find our kids in, really. And so at, at the crux of that, the foundational piece that is non-negotiable is staying calm. You have to stay calm with your child. If you yell back, you slam things back, you react with hurtful things, what are you teaching your child? Think about that for a minute. I want you to think about the last situation where you lost your cool with your child. Imagine that situation for a minute kind of, you know, step outside of your body, look down on it. And I want you to see 
that you're teaching your child to react that way when they're angry or frustrated, right? If you're angry or frustrated at your child and you are showing that to them by yelling or saying hurtful things or slamming doors or cabinets or, you know, throwing things across the room, what are you saying to your child? You are saying to your child that this is how we handle anger and frustration. You are saying to your child that it is okay to yell at other people. It is okay to say hurtful things to other people. And of course, none of us as parents want to give that message to our kids. We don't. We want to teach them healthier ways to get through these situations, right? Of course we do. And so remaining calm, one, you're kind of giving them um, a rhythm to pattern themselves after where they have big emotions and they're feeling chaotic and overwhelmed. You are calm. You are even speaking in a slower, calm tone and rhythm, and you are giving them something that they can pattern themselves after. That's one benefit of staying calm right there. Another benefit is that you are not escalating that situation. If you yell back at your child, what happens? They are going to get more upset. Do you get more upset when someone yells at you? Yes, you do. And so when someone yells at your child, your child is going to get more upset, not less upset. And your goal here is to help them be less upset, right? The entire goal of your interaction with your child in this instance is for them to be less upset, to help them regulate, to help them calm, You cannot help your child calm if you are not calm yourself. You just can't. The more intense that you are, the hotter their temperature is going, right? The more intense your child is going to be. When you are intense, you are very much throwing gasoline on an already raging fire. It's going to explode. And that is really a crucial realization for you because once you realize that the way that you are reacting is not helpful, but actually hurtful, it's actually, you know, degrading the situation more, but also teaching your child that that response is okay when you have these big emotions, you know, it's very much... Um, detrimental. You are you're, you're undoing good things. Um, you are keeping your child kind of held into that space where they are, where they're struggling, right? And so we never want to mirror their intensity or mirror their emotions, even because we are reinforcing them. And what we want to reinforce in these situations is calm. So one of my biggest tips on how to stay calm with your child when your child is anything but calm is to not take it personally. 
This was something I had to learn over time, and I had to learn the hard way. Um, You know, when your kid is in the grocery store screaming that you're the worst mother in the world and that he absolutely hates you and will never love you again, what does that make you feel? It makes you feel horrible, right? It gives you this sick feeling in your gut. It is crushing. And that's when we take it personally. If I take what he said, which by the way, is an exact situation we had when my son was seven or eight, um, screaming at bloody murder, the whole store heard it. Um, you know, if, if I take it personally, which I did that day, I get very upset, very upset. I'm very hurt. He has now hurt my feelings. He has now questioned and forced me to question my ability to parent, whether or not I'm a, quote, good parent. He has really knocked me off my axis. If I take that personally, I cannot stand straight, think straight, and respond. I'm only going to react emotionally. Now, once I learned not to take these things so personally anymore, I was able to, right in the grocery store standing together, ignore what he was saying. Not ignore him, not ignore that he was having a hard time, but ignore the content of what was happening. He wasn't giving me a hard time. He was struggling with managing his frustration. He was struggling to understand why his mom can't just buy him the sugary, crappy cereal just this once, right? He does not yet have the emotional awareness, the emotional self-regulation, the frustration tolerance skills, even the awareness of others and the public space that we're in to handle that appropriately. When you remind yourself of these things, it is so much easier, you guys, to stay calm. When you're not taking it personally, you won't react emotionally. Is it hard to hear your child say things like, I'm never going to love you again. I hate you. You're the worst mom in the world. Of course it is. Of course it's devastating, but it's devastating because we think they mean it. It's devastating because we think they intend to hurt us with their words. And when you recognize that they're not intending to hurt you and they don't mean what they're saying, it removes that sort of cloud of emotion that it drops on your head when it happens, right? When you're not taking it personally, when you don't believe that your child hates you, How much easier is it to stay calm? How much easier is it to remember they're having a hard time and think about how to help them? So it might go like, "Um, buddy, I am so sorry 
that it's so upsetting to you that I cannot buy you that cereal you want today. I know it must be so frustrating to know what you want and not be able to get it for yourself. It happens to all of us sometimes, but right now, that's not something that I can buy for you because I already bought you, you know, the Cheetos. You see the Cheetos in our cart and, you know, those... Um, string cheese or whatever it is. String cheese is not a good example because it's not really bad for our kids. But, you know, and I think at the time my son was gluten-free, so it was even so much harder to get things that he wanted for him, right? And he was so frustrated by that. But when I could recognize that he was having a hard time, empathize with how he was feeling, and then remind him that this could happen in the future. You know, I might say at the end of that, let's come back next week when we're here and let's look at the cereal again and see what cereal we can get you for next week or see what, you know, food that you want to request we can get for you next week. In next week for kids with ADHD, I know it's like now and not now. Next week is never. But, you know, this is just an example off the top of my head quickly. But, you know, this is how you diffuse the situation rather than intensify the situation. And, of course, your child's going to feel better having heard that you empathize with how they're feeling and you know that it's so frustrating versus you saying, don't ever say that to me again. You're being rude and disrespectful. You know, quiet down right now. Feel the difference between those two. You know, imagine the different feeling that those two scenarios evoke for your child. It is so different. You know, when we can sit back and just imagine playing different scenarios out in our minds in two ways, one reactively, one with a measured, calm, empathetic response. Every time you do that, you can very clearly feel the difference that it's going to mean for your child. And then, of course, that difference for your child, right, means a great difference for you because now you have reduced that situation rather than intensified that situation. Um, you know, so staying calm, that first piece is really all about not taking your child's behavior and words personally. Your child is not intending to be rude or disrespectful. Your child is not intending to cause a scene and make you look like a bad parent. Your child is not intending even to give you a hard time. They really aren't. They don't sit down and go, I'm going to have a fit in the grocery store today if mom doesn't buy me that cereal because I want her to know that I hate her. I want to hurt her feelings and I want the whole store to see what's happening. I want to embarrass the crap out of her. Do you think that that's really what our kids are thinking and feeling ahead of these instances. Of course not. Of course not. Kids do well if they can. They do so well when they can because that's what they want. Our kids want 
to follow our instructions. Our kids want our praise. They want to be like other kids. They want to do well. When they can't, we have to recognize that they're having a hard time. It's not their intention to not do well. It's just not. It's, it's just not, folks. They want to do well. I promise you. I promise you they do. So I want you to really kind of, you know, as preparation for now practicing how to stay calm with your child, I want you to think about maybe the last two or three situations where you also um, got intense when your child was intense. And I want you to imagine those situations now playing out where you stayed calm, where you um, offered empathy, and imagine how they would play out differently because I want you to really feel what this difference is going to be like. That will motivate you to do this hard work to almost train yourself to stay calm in these situations. So you'll have some of that feeling of, you know, what the benefit is of doing it differently. And then I want you to start practicing staying calm. You know, one great thing that Robert Cox taught me, who's a therapist in, I think, Missouri, um, great therapist, he taught me that we should always take a big empathetic breath before we respond to our kids. Every time before you make a face at them, before you say a word to them, before anything, just look at them and take a deep, empathetic breath. Not an exasperated breath, not an angry breath, but a very empathetic breath, a breath that says to your child, I know you're having a hard time right now. I know you're struggling. That will help you to do two things. One, it will help you to stay calm because you've already broken that immediate sort of intuitive reaction. You've given yourself space to remind yourself that you're going to be calm. And second, you've practiced some mindful awareness because when you took that breath, you were thinking about the fact that your child is having a hard time, right? You were thinking about what you could do to help your child because they're struggling. And those are two very, very powerful things in parenting kids with ADHD. It is so important to let them know that you understand, you know, let them know that you recognize that they are struggling, that this life is hard for them, that they are in a different place than their neurotypical peers. You know, that conversation, that outburst with my son in the grocery store when he was seven or eight, if he was seven years old, developmentally, emotionally, um, re his regulation, his awareness was all more like a four-year-old. How differently would you have, have played out that situation if you were thinking, okay, this seven-year-old is doing this to me, or wow, this four-year-old is really struggling. 
with frustration and their big emotions. You see the difference? Like, it's so big, the difference between honoring our kids' developmental age, honoring where our kids are right now today, what their truth is. You know, we all have our own individual truth. And this is what I talk about in my book, The Insider's Guide to ADHD. Um, And this is what, you know, the adults with ADHD that I surveyed and interviewed all pretty much said was, you have to honor what is true for your child. Some of them said, I have a great life because my parents honored who I was, how I learned, what I was interested in. And many said, school was so hard. Growing up was so hard. My life right now is so hard because nobody understands what it's like to have ADHD, what it's like to be me. So a big piece of this work for our kids is for us to learn what their truth is. And that truth is going to be different for every one of our kids. They have different ADHD symptoms. They have different coexisting conditions. They have different interests. They have different weaknesses. You know, every one of us on this planet is an individual. And we all walk a different path. And we all see life from a different perspective. And when you can really hone in on that and map out what's true for your child and then honor it, really get to know them on that level and honor that, it is life-changing. Life-changing for your child, but also for you and your family. You know, these little things that we are talking about here are going to automatically improve your child's behavior. We don't just need to work on specific behaviors and trying to improve them. You know, this shift for us as parents into recognizing that our kids are different and it's okay, and we need to parent them differently, and that's also okay. That is what it takes to improve behavior, to give us confident kids, capable kids, to raise people who are going to be happy, successful adults. It's that shift in so many aspects that is going to create that space for our kids, that is going to help our kids thrive now and in the future. So I want you to really work on these things. It takes practice, folks. And I'm talking a lot of it is lifelong practice. I still have to be very mindful of how I'm reacting and responding to my son sometimes. You know, I he can still get a rise out of me. And those instances are exponentially less frequent than they were even five years ago. And, you know, life in general has improved so much for him and for our whole family just by making these shifts in our thinking, in our understanding of him and his behavior, and in honoring who he is, where he is today, what his strengths and interests are, what his weaknesses are, and going forward from that place. You know, we're almost like putting on, you know, Luke-colored glasses, and we're seeing the world through them, and then honoring what we're seeing. And that, 
my friends, is everything. It's everything. It is going to turn so much around for you without even, you know, focusing on specific therapies or specific behaviors and behavior modification and charts and rewards. And, you know, just this blanket change will make a huge difference. And it will make it that much easier to have success when you do work on specific therapies, specific behaviors, you know, your reward charts and whatever you're trying to do for your child, they are more receptive and responsive when everybody is in a good place. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope to see you next time. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit parentingadhdandautism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.